Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring DC you in. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good. Let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you wanna do it with me. This is what I'm doing. Welcome back to Dare to Rise. I'm your host, Nicole. And with me, as always, is my fabulous partner in crime, Miss Tina Kay. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Good. I, I feel like we haven't been here for a minute, so I have to say I'm very excited to be back behind the mic. How has oh things been going for you? Yeah, no, I'm excited too. It has been a couple of weeks since we have had a, a real solid interview and looking forward to tonight's. I think I'm doing well. Uh, the Glad that the sun is staying out a little bit longer. It feels I like... Love that feels like the day's still like, holy cow, it's already close to eight o'clock and it's still light outside. <laughs> I don't feel like I need to go to sleep yet. So I, I could be up for hours still. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything exciting going on with you though lately? Anything new? You know, I, I just wanted to let the listeners know that I have an anthology coming out in July and super excited for that. An anthology, for those of you that don't know, it's a book that is compiled of a bunch of authors and we each write a chapter. And so it's it's a book that's kind of more professional based, but it could be personally based too, but it's on resiliency and, and just overcoming and how do you keep moving forward? So I have a little chapter in that book. And so I'm really excited. Can't wait for the release date in July. Oh, well, we'll keep, you know, make sure you keep sharing that with our audience as July gets closer. That's really yeah. exciting. Thank you. What about you? Oh, goodness. Um, Really, we're in the thicket of sports season in my at my household, and I love it. I absolutely love watching my kids do what they love and thrive. And so it's just been really exciting, all of the extracurriculars that my kids are involved with. And some great, um, I know I've shared this with our audience before, but I am um, the vice chair of a community coalition, Communities That Care, Fremont Five, um, in the area that I live in. And it was really fun this week. We were able to go to one of the city council meetings to represent, to recognize, excuse me, some of the youth in our community that are just doing great works and getting involved. And that is just such a close thing to my heart. As you know, community engagement is really important to me. And that's why our guest tonight was the perfect fit um, about, you know, getting involved in your community and, you know, knowing about the resources available for people in our community. We have Brent Hensley tonight from YCC, Your Community Connection. He's a Community Engagement Coordinator at YCC Family Crisis Center. For the last three years, Brent has been the Youth Advocate and Prevention Specialist at YCC. He is a youth case manager and oversees the kids program in the domestic violence shelter and teaches about healthy relationships and safe dating in schools throughout Weber County. He has his master's in Christian education from Biola University and is currently enrolled at Weber State. We love Weber State. <laughs> And working on his master's in social work. So with that, Brent Hensley, thank you for coming on Dare to Rise. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that introduction. And thank you for having me. So how have you been? What's been going on with you? Oh, craziness going on at the YCC, as always. We are called a crisis center for good reason. Um, always things happening. And uh, so... I love the weather getting warmer as well and the sun staying out a little longer, which means summer is coming, which is super exciting and fun. But 
We know Utah weather changes within the hour. You're not kidding, right? This it past could weekend snow. was a monsoon of rain and cold, and now it's supposed to get what was it? I saw 80. Like yeah, it's crazy. I know. Um, it's fun to have the end of the year. I have a daughter that's graduating from high school this year, so that's coming up really soon. I don't know if I'm ready, but I think that's. <laughs> I think that's really exciting. So, you know, just jumping into YCC, how did you, how did your path be, you know, what path led you to YCC? How did you get involved with that organization? I have such a backwards path to this. Um, I am definitely not the norm. Most people that I work with uh, go to Weaver, Weaver State and they are, you know, taking all the same social work classes and know all the same professors because we're so near, we're so close to Weaver State. And which is a wonderful school. It's where we get most of our volunteers. Um, but they all get their bachelor's in social work. And then they, most of them move immediately into getting their master's of social work. And so, which is wonderful. Um, I kind of came to the back door. I uh, came in as a, with more experience um, as far as being a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at a church in California and then a church in Utah uh, for about 20 years. And uh, working with students, mostly junior high and high school, and just enjoying, loving working with kids that are in the church setting, but many of them through crisis. Um, and so working with kids and families for a long time. Um, and then I really just wanted to do something different and new. I'd always had a heart and always um, just loved working in the inner city, um, working with the homeless, working with people in different crises, you know, whatever crisis they seem to be going through. And I would always take a group of teenagers to help me do those things, working in homeless shelters as volunteers and doing little humanitarian trips, even in different countries. And so for me, that was always something that I kind of wanted to get into doing. And I always told people in our congregation, you know, you need to get involved. You need to be a volunteer. You need to go use your time and your money and your skills and and doing all these things. So I, I kind of put my foot more in my mouth or my, I kind of put my money where my mouth <laughs> That's the phrase. Um, I put my foot on my mouth all the time. But um, so being able to um, just kind of get out of the church bubble really and get into the community was something I was very excited about. And now I've been here four years. Um, wow. So it's it's been a wonderful transition for me. It's been a wonderful time of life for me. Um, you know, it's definitely does not make a lot of money. And so I always tell everybody that my wife, who's a school counselor, um, kind of pays for my social work habit, really, supports <laughs> me now. And so, um, so it's great. It's wonderful. I love it. I think it was a really one of the best decisions of my life to do this. And it is such a great field to get into. And to, it's kind of a learning curve to be able to, to relearn kind of what domestic violence is and how that affects families and kids. So I've really enjoyed it. I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Um, how rewarding, how challenging. I'm sure that there are many, many times it's heartbreaking, but also many times that there has to be some joy in seeing people, helping people either turn their lives around or um, being in the schools and seeing the impact that you have on the youth to turn turn maybe the way they see things around into a healthier healthier viewpoint. Yes, it's just like say that just even one healthy adult in a young person's life can really change the trajectory of their life, you know, really change their life. And even if it's for a short period of time, and a lot of the kids that I work with, you know, I work with babies all the way up to high school kids, you know, and everywhere in between. And a lot of them have been through a lot of trauma. 
and to be able to just be that positive influence and that positive role model. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's been only male that has been in the, this position as far as working with this, the kids in domestic violence. Mostly it's been a female, if not always. And, and I love it because I can be that positive role model when they may have not had that positive role model. I might have a really not great role model in their life. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's impacting whether I see it in the short term or, or not. Um, I know that in the long term, it's going to make a difference for a lot of these kids. Yeah. So how does, what does that look like? Cause I think a lot of people that have suffered trauma or, or people that are, um, not in a healthy relationship, healthy relationship in their family situation, you, they don't necessarily realize that until, somebody talks to them or they see something different and realize, holy cow, that's not the way my, that's not the way my house runs. So how do you bridge that gap to, to be able to see those kids that need that healthy, healthy conversation, um, help them switch to understand that there's something different or how to handle a situation that may be not coming to you. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Because, you know, like the 30% of, of, of boys that grow up in a home where their dad is abusing their mom will actually grow up and become abusers themselves. And then there is a, there's a small percentage of girls, too, that grow up in a home where their mom has been abused. They'll grow up and actually start dating men that abuse them. And so a lot of it feels like, you know, they feel like that's normal. My mom never left my dad. So maybe that's how guys show girls love. You know, they get confused. And guys get, guys have this struggle, you know, they grow up in a home and they're like, gosh, I hate my dad. I hate what he does to my mom. But in the same thing, like being a guy kind of in the back of their mind, they have this image of like, but man, he's got so much power and control. And I kind of want that. And so that's sometimes when they have that conflict. And so being able to talk about that conflict in their mind, and we even get some, some young kids, you know, they could be nine, 10, 11, maybe 14 years old, whatever to come in here. And they'll start doing the same thing. They treat their, they start treating their mom the same way that their dad treated their mom. They almost play that role because they've seen their dad do it. And so we have to teach these young men, like, that's not okay. Like being controlling, you know, being verbally abusive, doing those things. You can't do that to your mom, your sisters, your girlfriend. You can't do that. And so trying to help, trying to help them see what a healthy relationship looks like. And to see the difference between what they grew up with and what they really need to become, that's the challenge. And so that's what we really try to do here at the YCC with the young people is give them that alternative and give them that option and point them in the right direction. I think I'm just soaking in what you're saying about the 30%. That's just so, it's so tragic and it's so sad how often people repeat the cycle, but when you don't know anything different, you think that's the way it's supposed to be, or this is just how it is. So breaking that cycle um, definitely is challenging. Can you dive into it a little bit more? You know, what kind of tools are you guys providing the youth? Like, is there classes, you know, counseling, like what do you guys offer to help these people really widen their perspective of, you know, what a healthy relationship is. A lot of it is we are able to use um, a lot of counseling with the kids, being able to talk with them through those things. You know, um, we don't do therapy for kids that are in trauma. We usually resource that out to Weber Human Services. Um, 
But I do a lot of crisis counseling in the moment, in the time, and I build relationships with these kids to be able to talk to them through what they've been through. Um, we use a tool which is called ACEs. If you're familiar with ACEs, it's Adverse Childhood Experiences. And we're able to go through that list and ask those questions like, you know, has your mom, has your mom been abused? Have you been abused? Have you had physical, verbal, or sexual abuse? Um, are your parents divorced? Has someone gone through prison? Has someone in your household committed suicide or attempted suicide? And just all these things that, you know, the, that they've been through, through trauma, different trauma things. And then we'd use that as a tool to say, you know what, you are more likely, if the higher score you have on that ACE questionnaire, the more trauma you've had in your life, the more you are to actually, we call it, be at risk for at-risk behaviors. And so it's almost like a way we use that tool to begin a conversation to say, hey, what other choices you're making or attitudes you're having now, whatever risk you're putting yourself in. And it may be little kids. And we'll have this conversation with mom then. Um, you know, if your kids start acting this way as they get older, it's probably as a result of the trauma that they experienced as, as, when they were younger. And so you have to watch for that. And if mm-hmm. the older kids, we have to say, hey, these choices that you're making, they're probably just negative coping mechanisms that you're using because of the trauma that you had when you're younger. So let's talk about positive coping mechanisms. Let's talk about self-care. Let's talk about how you can become more of a healthy person. And so I tell young people all this all the time. If you, whatever you're going through, if you don't talk to someone about it, if you don't deal with that, if you just internalize it, you are more than likely to become kind of an unhealthy person, emotionally, mentally, all those different things. And I see a lot of unhealthy people get in unhealthy relationships. Mm. But if you, on the other hand, are dealing with your trauma, if you're talking to your mom about it or your brothers and sisters, if you're talking to a therapist about it, if you're dealing with those things, you get the more, the way we build resilience, that's the other tool that we use is kind of a resilience questionnaire to talk about how many good people do you have in your life? You know, how many positive people do you have that you feel safe with? We talk a lot about safety brings healthy, brings, you know, brings more healthiness. The more safe you feel, the more healthy you feel. And so we talk about, hey, the more people that you put in your life, whether that's teachers or counselors or coaches or faith leaders or people in your life, the more healthy you're going to become. And healthy people get in more healthy relationships. So that's how we kind of turn that conversation from unhealthy to healthy. And I really think the more good people you have in your life, the better your life is going to be and the better relationships you're going to have. Oh my gosh. Just as you're talking, I just feel like so many people that are going through some kind of trauma or unhealthy relationship, they, in my experience, um, even in my personal experience, feel very alone. And so what, what a, a magical concept, which it's not really magical, but to really point out all the healthy people and the people that they can trust that's in their environment, that they may not be or helping them guide them to, to see those people be so that they don't feel that alone and feel like that they can talk to somebody and get into that healthier space. So my heart is like so heavy with happiness thinking about, you know, that what you're offering um, these children that um, may, may not recognize all the healthy relationships that are around them. Yeah. And that's just what we do for the kids. We have um, Mindy is our domestic violence and outreach coordinator. And so she does domestic violence classes for all the ladies and the men. We do have men that come into our shelter as well. And so those classes are so eye-opening for anyone that's experienced abuse. 
because a lot of them blame themselves. Like it's my fault. If I was just a better girlfriend, if I was just a better wife, you know, I didn't talk to that guy or that girl, you know, and, and they just don't understand the, the cycle of abuse, you know, of how that works. But as soon as we say, you know, you could have really great happy times, but then anger happens and then a physical or emotional or mental, you know, some kind of abuse happens. And then there's reconciliation where they say they're sorry and apologize and you forgive them, but then it's good for a while, but then the cycle starts again, you know, when they start to recognize that cycle, they're, they just, you know, it blows their mind because they see, oh my gosh, I was in an abusive relationship and it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. And I can learn how to have a better, healthy relationship. This, this goes back to the young girls that might've grown up in an abusive home and start dating abusive people. A lot of the times when they come into our shelter, this is not the first abusive relationship they've been in. A lot of them, it's it's maybe two, three, or four abusive relationships. And I wish somebody would do a study of how this happens. But like, it's amazing how they, because people that are abusive are not abusive right at the beginning. You know, it, it's, it happens over time. And so... It's like the grooming period. Yeah. It is the grooming period. Abusers are so good at this, unfortunately. And so they trap them and get them into, the, into it until they feel like they can't get out. And so... It's amazing how a young person can just somehow find the abusers <laughs> in their life, you know, and a lot of the times it's explained as healthy relationships are boring. Um, there's not enough, you know, drama and push and pull. And so they're almost looking for that conflict because that's what they're used to. It's unfamiliar. I think it's it's, it's unfamiliar. It's uncomfortable to be in something that's um, in quote normal. I, I think what you guys are creating is so important is that community because um, I think for what I can speak from my own personal experience and from other people that I, I know that I've um, walked you know some hard paths when it comes to relationships is that that feeling of isolation and really a lot of shame that comes with it and like what you were just sharing you think it's your fault you think oh if i would have you know been you know if i would have made a better dinner if i was skinnier if i was prettier you know all of this stuff then they wouldn't have gotten upset and you wouldn't have gotten this negative reaction like that there's just so much um interesting emotions that come with that and with you know actually talking with people and people being able to connect and realize, Hey, I am, I actually, this isn't healthy. And there's other people that are experiencing this. Like I am, I'm not alone. Cause I think a lot of people stay in those type of situations because you feel isolated and alone. And you really do think this is the only path for you. Yeah. And a lot of abusers will, will force the, their loved ones, force them away from their loved ones. And whether it's telling the person that they're, you know, abusing is like, you know, I'm better for you. Your family's crazy. They don't love you as much as I do. Or the family just gets so tired of trying to help them. And they keep going back to the same abuser where they're almost, you know, tired of it. They're trying to show tough love, maybe of saying, we're not going to be with you as long as you're with this person. So however it happens, a lot of time you're exactly right. They get very isolated away from the people that can help them. And then you have these kids who also feel like it's their fault, even though they might not be, be getting abused, they might feel that their mom getting abused is their fault. If you mm-hmm. have, if you have a kid playing Legos on the floor, right? And dad comes home super angry in a bad mood. And, you know, mom's working on dinner in the kitchen and he steps on Legos and starts flipping out and screaming and yelling, cussing and starts abusing mom. Who's, who's the kid going to think 
whose fault it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's like a oh, little person. Yeah, if I wouldn't have, if I would have just picked up my toys, then dad wouldn't have hurt my mom, you know, things like that. And so we do classes for kids that it's called Brainwise. It's such a great curriculum where it gives them life skills. It teaches them about how to handle their emotions, you know, how to handle anger, how to handle stress. Um, and so all of these different things of how to, you know, handle your strong emotions or your, your small emotions and how to stop and think and how to, you know, react better to anger and all these different things. It's a great tool for these kids that especially have been through so much trauma to be able to understand their emotions, to become more emotional intelligent, to be able to handle their emotions, to be able to self-soothe, to all those things that they just are so much going on in their mind as little kids. Uh, to be able to become better, little emotionally secure adults. Absolutely. So, Brent, this may be kind of a weird question, but I'm. Have you guys ever had an, the abuser come to you guys and say, "I I recognize that I have abusive tendencies and I need help." Have you? Has that ever come? You know, through YCC doors, as instead of the person being abused, the person who's been doing the abuse asking for assistance or help. We do. We we have. That's very rare. Um, but we do have some people, we have a crisis line, a 24 seven crisis line. And we do have the, have some people call and say, Hey, I've been doing this. I need help. And we don't treat abusers. Um, and so we will reference them out to other places that do. And, uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, a young girl will come in and say, Hey, my abuser called me since I left him. He wants me to come back. He says he's going to get help and do all these different things. And so, I mean, I'm being honest with you. A lot of times we're like, okay, you know, is that real? You're like, I've heard that story once or twice yeah. before. <laughs> I hate to admit that because I, but I'm trying to be honest, but, um, and so we want to believe them. Right. But at the same time, um, and so we will say, okay, well, that's great. You know, we feel like, if, you know, let's give them these references, these places where they can go and get help and, and let's see, you know, let's see if that's, if that's a fact and that's a thing. And we really, I mean, one of the things that we really want to do here is give give our clients um, the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but also, and also help them. We don't make the choices for them. We want them to be self-sufficient. We want them to make their own choices. And so um, we're not here to control them or anything like that. And so if they want to go back and they have their reasons, we will not try to talk them out of it. <laughs> you know, no. we'll give them data, we'll give them advice and those sorts of things. And, and sometimes they'll go back and or sometimes they'll disappear without telling us they're going back and they'll go back. And then a couple a couple months later, they'll show up at our doors again. And we're never like the shaming, like we told you so, you know, or never, never anything like that. We're just like, and they, they feel the shame already, you know, Absolutely. they already feel that. And so we just say, Hey, we are so glad you're here. We're so glad you're safe. That's mm-hmm. all we have to say. Let's continue where we left off. So Brent, what is the crisis line? It is 801-392-7273. And that is a 24-7, 24-7, 365 days a year, whatever crisis line. People can call that any time of the night, any time of the day, and there'll be someone there to help you. And so people can call if they need shelter. Um, they can call if they need to have questions about abuse. Um, they can call about their kids or they can call about anything. And so anything domestic violence related, um, we have people calling, um, you know, about suicide tendencies and things like that. And so we will take anybody's call. We will be able to, if we can't help them, we will definitely send them in the right direction and give them the resources that they need. 
I think that's amazing. It's so it's amazing when you start looking in your community and you see what resources are available. And there's a bunch of amazing people that are really passionate about what they do. And it's clear what you guys are doing in the YCC. You're very passionate about what you're involved with. And I think that's just wonderful that we have these resources available um, for our community. Um, one thing we wanted to dive into as well is that we were aware that recently you guys received a grant to do a special year-long sexual assault prevention program. And the local high schools, Ben Loman and Ogden High School. So can you tell us about that prevention program? I was so excited for this, but uh, but also a little nervous uh, because this was right when COVID hit. And so... Oh, good old COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Always getting in the way. <laughs> Always getting in the way. Um, we had... So we had... I, so let's see, COVID hit in March of 2020. And so I was... think right then I was in the middle of actually writing that grant. Um, thinking, well, I hope I get this, but I don't know what's going to look like. And I had all of these glorious things in the grant, you know, um, and they even the grant, you know, people that were judging our grant were even being a little easy on us, like, you know, make a make an alternative plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so but I really wanted to be in the schools. That's my heart is to be in the schools. And at this point, the schools, you know, we're getting into June now um, in summer and the schools had no idea what they were going to do, what the right. school look like. And so I started meeting with principals over the summer, um, you know, really nervous going in saying there's no way they're going to want to start a whole new program in their schools when they don't even know what what school is going to look like at that point, you know. But it was wonderful. I got so much great feedback from the principals um, just saying things like, man, I had the principal at Ben Lowen like, I feel like we hit the lottery. This is great. And then I, I had a principal at Ogden High say, you know what, just because there's COVID doesn't mean that we don't want good programs for our students. Mm -hmm. And so they were very open arms. Um, the, the, best, the best organization that we worked with in the school was Latinos in Action. Uh, their, their teachers, their supervisors were amazing. Their advisors were great. The kids were wonderful. And so we went right into Ogden High School, started working with Latino in Action students. I wanted to have them team up with me um, in order to do these programs. And so, you know, September, we were in the schools. October, the last week of October, we did a whole um, healthy relationships week. We were at every lunch um, with Latino in Action's kids. We set up tables and we had resources for the students. Uh, we had little surveys that we had them take. We were giving away all these types of things. Little I had chapsticks with our crisis line made up on it. And we had all these, I asked the kids, like, what do you guys, what's a good giveaway? And they said, buttons, like pins. I'm like, really? Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And so we had these little pins made. We had like a thousand pins that said, uh, it's, it said, love doesn't hurt. No excuse. Oh, that's excuse. amazing we messaging. Property, um, all these great pins. Respect my boundaries was one of them. Oh so my gosh. Away, like a thousand pins to students. And we're giving away ribbons teal ribbons for sexual assault and purple ribbons for relationship violence. And we're having them tie it on trees outside. And so we just wanted to have some kind of an impact to the students. So if they're walking around wearing pins on their lanyards or on their backpacks, you know, they're talking, they're starting those conversations with each other. And we were starting them at lunches at the tables. And we had a lot of great conversations with students just about them being in bad relationships or having questions about their relationship. 
we talked to couple, we talked to couples, you know, the couples would walk up hand in hand and we would be like, Hey, tell us about your relationship. Oh. <laughs> great. We did it. We did the one we did a whole week at Ben Loman in February because February was uh teen dating, dating and abuse awareness month. And so we did that one around um, Valentine's Day in February at Ben Loman. And we had that, we were doing that dumb wedding game. I don't know if you guys ever heard that wedding game where you put them back to back and they hold Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay, who is the messiest? Who's the worst driver? You know, and they pick each other or pick themselves. And so we were doing games like that. And, and so it was super fun. It was just a way to get into the school, to start a conversation. And I told the, the Latino action kids, I said, you know, we... We might not change every couple here or every abuser here, but at least let's get people talking. Let's oh, students, absolutely. Let's get students having conversations. I said, if we can change the culture a little bit. So I hate to use this phrase, but it's like the locker room talk. Um, if we can get, you know, I know that's a lame phrase, but if we, Oh, you're good. <laughs> get, uh, I just, I couldn't help but laugh a little. <laughs> I know, me too. It's a, it's a, it's, that's a little biased phrase too, but, but if we can get them like, you know, at least talking about if we can have a group of guys where one guy says, Hey, you know, and starts talking about another girl in a very unflattering way. Right. If there's another group of guys that say, dude, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. If we could at least get that to happen more often, I think that's a win. And oh, so, absolutely. And so it's wonderful. So I went back to the Latino in action kids after relationship week. And we talked about bystander intervention. Like how do you, as a friend, help another friend that's in a tricky situation. Maybe there's a guy, it's just all over them at a party. How do you intervene? How do you help your friends? You know, and we even talked about drugs and alcohol. How do you intervene if that's happening? You know, if somebody's, you know, drinking too much or is getting, trying this drug that they shouldn't be trying, you know, things like that. Like, how do you intervene as a friend? And so we've had great training times, great conversations with students. I think the LIA kids have really grown the most in this, um, but they've been really partnered with us and reaching out to their friends. I mean, we're doing, we do what this thing's called, it's called a hotspot mapping. And it's a whole questionnaire about where do you feel safe and unsafe at school? And so we're able to get this, all this data for the school to say, hey, this is where students don't feel safe in your school and give that to administration and give them some, you know, this is maybe, this is where at least we had that conversation after we got the data with the Latino and action kids, you know, what are ideas that you can, you guys have to make your schools feel more safe? Let's take that to administrators, you know? And so it was great. It was great to be able to get in there and do, you know, the little bit that we did um, to be able to see if we can make at least a little bit of difference in some of these kids and make relationships a little more safer. Oh, I think you guys made a huge impact. And yes, 20 or COVID, we should say, you know, threw a wrench and things, but it sounds like it came at the perfect time. Honestly, it, it may have not rolled out the way you wanted to, but it sounds like it went um, better than what you expected in so many great ways. And what a great opportunity for the administration to really obtain that data and be able to identify where they can add different resources to helping the youth to make sure that they are feeling safe and what better way that the administration can support their students. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. The administration to be able to let us in. And I think they saw the value of it too. And I think they saw that they could really help their kids and hopefully make their school a little safer place, you know, whether it's relationships or whether it's sexual assault or whether it's anything like that. 
Uh, it's so amazing. All those ideas, all the activities that you're doing. It, I don't remember any of that happening when I was in school. Oh, me either. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think those type of things were, I, we never oh. talked about those type of things. Like, I don't feel like I'm that old, but back in my day, I should say, we didn't talk about anything yeah. like what you're describing, Brett, at all. And I just yeah. think, wow, how far we have come, um, in a society and we still have ways to go, but what a great, you know, it's just amazing that we have YCC and all these other different resources here, because back in my day, we never talked about this kind of stuff ever. I don't remember ever talking about sexual assault and very rarely did we ever talk about, you know, drug, drug or alcohol abuse. It wasn't something that we talked about. You knew you shouldn't do it, but it wasn't like the how comes and whys or why this wouldn't be healthy or why this isn't safe. Those dialogues never happened. Yeah. And I was going to say too, even with COVID, like things changed, things stopped for a bit, but relate but unhealthy relationships don't stop, you know, sexual assault doesn't stop. And, um, and sometimes even being out of the school and being trapped at home that could, you know, trapped with your, um, with your partner, your abuser could make matters much worse. So kudos to the school district too, to recognize uh, the tool that was out there and the awesome, awesome exercises that you guys have done. Cause I love just that open communication and, and having it be fun because fun is part of being resilient. Like well, you have to look at with things. The youth, they yeah. need something fun or they're, if you're just talking at them, they're not going to be super engaged. And it's amazing that you guys were able to be creative and unique in your approach. They can also feel, see the value of what you guys have to offer. Even if you feel like it's one person or a few, you've, you're definitely impacting and changing people's trajectory of their lives. Yeah, I think so. I think it was definitely worth it. That's for sure. There's a lot, you know, the school teachers, you know, their, their hands are still a little tight, or maybe you could say their mouths are still a little gagged because (laughs) not allowed to give their opinions as much, especially when it comes to sex or it comes to, you know, things like that. I'm the type of person I will go in and I will just talk about anything. Like I will just get down and dirty and talk, you know, I'm not afraid of those difficult conversations at all. And I don't work for the school. And so I can go in and have those conversations. And I think we kind of got a nudge, nudge, wink, wink from the administration and the teachers of like, we can't do it. So yes, but we know those conversations need to happen. So yes, go do that, please. Mm -hmm. And so, so I was happy to, I was happy to be able to have those deeper conversations that maybe teachers or administrators can't have legally. In some ways, you probably, you and your organization are probably some of the only adults that are having those conversations with those kids, depending on, you know, their home life or what kind of relationships they have with adults in their life. They're not being able to fill that, that, that safe space to ask questions or come to you to be vulnerable about an abusive situation or maybe a, um, an unsafe situation they've gotten themselves into. So it's important that like what you were sharing to have some type of an adult that they can reach out to as a safe space. Yeah. And I'm not sure what kind of conversations, if any, or maybe bad advice at some homes they might get. Oh, that's a good point. too. Um, And so I'm hoping that their homes are safe and their homes, they can talk to their parents and they can get great advice. That's my hope because I think that's where they learn the most. Um, But I know, I know that doesn't happen at every home. And so it's, it's a, it's a good place for them to get a kind of a different and hopefully a healthy perspective. Mm -hmm. 
So Brent, do you have tools or um, some of these fun games and stuff that you do? Do you have, do you have any kind of reference for parents who um, with children uh, in elementary, junior high, high school that would help guide them into some conversations to see if there are issues that they're experiencing at school, even in terms of a bully or um, some, some conflict at school that would help, help guide that conversation a little bit in yeah, a fun way. I think love is respect is a great website. Um, if they look up, just Google love is respect is wonderful. It gives you incredible tools for that. Um, the stuff that we use for kids, like I said before, is brain wise, but there's also second step is a great, uh, is great curriculum as well. And so those, those two would be for little kids. Love is respect would be for older kids. Um, and so I think things like that, what I use when I go to all the, I go to all the schools in Weber County and the health classes, and I talk to, um, junior high and high school kids, um, about healthy relationships and safe dating. And so that's one of the favorite things. One of the most favorite things I do in my job outside of shelter is teaching these presentations and all the health classes. I, I do like over a hundred and talk to like 3000 kids a year. It's wonderful. And so being able to do that is great. And so I use uh, what's called healthy relationships toolkit um, or safe dating. And so, but there's no reason why parents couldn't use those things as well. And so, like I said, I think if, I think it should come from home, (laughs) really that's ideal in an ideal world, right? Um, if parents are talking to their kids about what a healthy relationship looks like, I think our, our world would be a better place. And so in modeling that as well. Um, but those are all the tools that I use that, that I think can really make a difference in a young person's life. Where were you 15 years ago, Brent? I'm just teasing. (laughs) Seriously though, I think what you're saying is so invaluable and I'm so grateful that you are, um, you know, going to going to the schools and connecting with the youth and, and, and educating and, and sharing, um, just there's a different way, especially people that are in these abusive, unsafe situations. I do feel like, again, sometimes people feel so isolated and they feel alone. And so that's why they don't tell anybody what they're going through. And then they just, you know, I low self-esteem or self-worth kind of goes into that. And then they just don't ever say anything. And then they repeat the cycle when there's so much more for their lives. And so it's so great that they're hearing, you know, there is avenues out there that is sharing the message of a different way for these these people that are finding themselves in difficult situations. Yeah. And if we get them young, this is why I love doing the healthy relationship, safe dating in junior high or high school. If we get them young, we're going to have a lot less of those abusive relationships as they get older. Oh, absolutely. It's all about prevention. You know, we call it upstream. You know, if we go, if we are teaching curriculum upstream and younger kids, and those things aren't going to happen more often downstream. You know, we're, we're going to prevent those things from happening. Those those bad abusive relationships from happening. That's the goal. You know, that's the goal. So it's wonderful because you know we're we're a safety net here at the YCC for for people that have already been in a bad relationship. And so we're that safety net. We're that hospital. We're going to help you rebuild your life after a traumatic event a traumatic relationship and all these things that happen in your life, which is great, which is super needed, right? We have to be there for those people. But if we can prevent that from happening by teaching young people what a healthy relationship really looks like and how important that is, then man, I would love to work myself out of a job (laughs) at the YCC. You know, I would love to have a lot less people come through our doors. And I tell young people that too. I'm like, you know what? I love you guys. I love seeing you here at your school. 
but I don't want to see you 10, 15 years from now in my shelter because you were in, someone treated you a lot worse than what you really deserve. I don't want to see that. And so Absolutely. stay in a healthy, be in healthy relationships so you don't have to walk through our door someday. Yeah, I love that. Oh, absolutely. Um, so Brent, so I know April's almost, it's almost the end of April, but you know, April um, for the YCC or everywhere, I should say is April is sexual assault awareness month. So um, can you kind of share what amazing things that you guys at the YCC did over the past month? Yeah, we have an amazing sexual assault uh, team here. And every month they do this, we've done walks before and just awareness events and everything, which has been wonderful. This year, um, you know, they didn't want to do a walk, you know, again, COVID, <laughs> but that darn COVID, she <laughs> seriously is resilient. <laughs> what the program that them and our marketing team put together was so great because everything was social media and people taking pictures of the things they asked them to do and, and just getting all the hashtags and everything on our Instagram and on our, um, and our Facebook page has been so great. And so they just had creative things. It was kind of the 30, 30 days of sexual assault month, you know, things to do. And so some of the things that they did was, you know, just asking people to wear teal. Teal is that sexual assault awareness color. And so, you know, people were sitting in pictures of them and their family and their kids and their pets, you know, all dressed in teal. Oh, I just, love it. You know, you know, spreading that awareness as well as kind of being advocates, you know, being, being just supporting people that have been through sexual assault. It's wonderful. And so wearing teal. They asked one weekend, let's do it, you know, go and do a walk or do a run and take a picture of yourself, you know, and put it on our social media with that hashtag. And it was great. You know, I went up and hiked Waterfall Canyon, you know, and took a picture of myself, you know, it was great. And so things like that. And then we did a whole like painted rocks, like, you know, this whole rock thing. And so people were painting rocks with really, really hopeful, uplifting messages, you know, really great things. And then sending those pictures of the rocks, putting those rocks in their yard or in neighborhoods, a bunch of us staff sat down and painted a bunch of rocks and had so much fun doing that and everything and put the, you know, the best looking rocks on our Instagram and on our Facebook and everything. My rocks did not make the pictures. They were, not <laughs> um, but like some people were amazingly creative and really, really great. And so, and so just being, having an awareness campaign, just getting the word out there. And it was great to see so many people, you know, that just out in the community, supporting people, supporting the people that have been through sexual assault themselves, even if it was just little gestures like that in pictures, I think that means a lot to people. And so just being able to spread the word about sexual assault and the statistics and the things and, and how healing happens and just all those different things, I think is wonderful. And just, it really, I think they did a great job of raising, of raising that awareness this month. I love that. So Brant, what would be some words of wisdom to someone that's going through uh, something difficult right now? What, what would you share? What would you share to that child or young adult? A uh, child or young adult? Um, I think we get, there's a lot of moms that come into our shelter um, after they see the effect of domestic violence on their kids. Mm -hmm. And so they may feel like this has been happening to me most of my life. I feel trapped in this relationship, but I can take it. I can handle it. It's, it's normal to me. This is something that just happens to me. But as soon as they see it happening to their kids, that's when they start thinking about, oh, my gosh, I need to leave. I need to get out of this situation. So, you know, I think a young person, if you are, you know, at that maturity level to be able to have that communication with your mom 
um, or dad, because it definitely happens both ways. I would, I would have that communication with, with your mom or dad and say, you know what, your mom, you don't deserve this, this happening to you. This is making me angry. This is making me anxious. Um, I think a lot of young people feel those things are not able to verbalize them. Um, but if they can have that conversation with their mom, or if they can have that conversation with their counselor or, or somebody, um, they need to tell somebody, they need to talk about it. Um, there's too many family secrets out there that ever, we don't know what happens behind closed doors unless someone says something. And so I think a young person really needs to have that conversation with someone. And if it could be their mom or dad, whoever's being abused and saying, this is, this is, this is affecting me. I know it's affecting you. Um, and that's a hard conversation to have. I believe I, I, that that's very easy for me to say, mm-hmm. but it would be very difficult. I know. Um, but just something that would trigger them. Like, you know what we need as a family need to get away from this abusive person, you know, and it could even be a stepdad or a stepmom or something like yeah. that. So, so I think that's just, they need to be, they need to be safe. They need to be a place. That's the first, that's the first most important thing is they need to be, get to a place where they're safe. And usually that is away from that abuser. And so having those conversations, I think is super important and it's got to be with someone that you trust. Good. Thank you. Lots of good stuff. I'm just sitting here digesting all of the, all of the stuff that you've been sharing. It's just, it's unfortunate how many people I know personally that have had to deal with abuse in their, in their, in their relationships. And I can just say, it's just, again, it's amazing that we have resources. And I think with you coming on the podcast and just as, you know, sharing about YCC and just educating people, um, people are going to be aware of their, their other avenues and, um, opportunities to obtain support. Um, I do want to ask you, um, what other, what are ways that our community or dare to rise family, I should say, how can they get involved with YCC? How can they support your guys' organization or volunteer? How can we get engaged and, um, help promote what you guys are doing at the YCC? Um, well, for me, I'll be selfish a little bit. Oh, um, please do. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell us. I, I, I've been doing prevention very, very part-time um, with all my other duties at the YCC. Um, but this year we are about ready. We don't know how much or when or what it's going to look like, but we are about ready to get a very large prevention grant. Um, larger than the one I just used for these two schools um, that's going to possibly put me in a position where I can do prevention more full-time. And oh, so that's wonderful. Yes. It's very exciting. And so we don't, we're not for sure yet, but, um, but I'm going to have to, we're crossing our fingers yes, and are. our toes and our <laughs> eyes and everything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pretty soon, I'm going to have to get really creative with how we're going to use this grant um, and so if there are any community organizations out there, whether it be schools or religious organizations or uh, community groups, you know, sports organizations, whatever, um, we, not just me, we have a, I have a whole speaking team that's able to go out and do presentations. And we love to do presentations and we do presentations on how trauma affects um, um, you know, adults, how trauma affects kids, um, you know, how domestic violence affects all these people, um, where you, what you can do to get help, what are the warning signs, you know, just tons. We have so many different 
presentations that we can come to any community group, no matter what they are, and to be able to share those, you know, like we're doing tonight, but be able to share those with your staff or your volunteers or your parents or your families or kids, um, whatever. We love to go out in the community and do those presentations. So please invite us. Please know that we can come and we can tailor it to, you know, whatever topic that you would like. Um, we are more than willing to do that. If you would like us to come in and do something like I explained what I did at Ben Lillman or Ogden High, um, I am more than willing to do more of a program to be able to do that as well. And so, um, so things like that, just realize that we're a resource. So please use us as a resource um, to be able to come. And we, we don't want to just be the silo in our little, you know, in our building here. We want to be out in the community we have a whole outreach team to be able to go out there and please, you know, if you are ever in any kind of um, abusive relationship or if you see your family or your friend, you know, talk to them, you know, please have them call us. We would love to talk to you with that. And, and this goes back to, you know, with, with, with your question, you know, how can a young person or, you know, a young adult or a teenager, what do they need to do? You know, I, I specifically was talking about if their mom or dad in a relationship, but if you're in a relationship, you know, as a young person, as a teenager, if you're in that kind of relationship, please tell someone too. <laughs> like, please get help, you know, don't suffer that alone, you know, please, you know, talk to someone you trust that if you're in an abusive relationship yourself, even as a junior high student, I talk to junior high students all the time that are in bad relationships. Please tell someone and get help of getting out of that relationship. No one expects you to do that yourself. You know, you can get help to get out of that relationship. You don't have to do it yourself. And so, so that's really important too. And so when we have all these resources and ways that you, we can help you do that, um, no matter what age you are, we can help you, you know, get out of a, a very harmful relationship. We would just, would love to, uh, to be there for you if, if, if you would give us a chance. So. Oh, thank you That's so much. For that. It, absolutely. I do also have to, before we let you go, I have to tell you how much I loved. I remember calling Tina. I was leaving an appointment and I was driving and I saw these beautiful red hearts in Ogden and I oh, called yeah. Tina and I was like, have you seen these amazing hearts from the YCC down in Ogden? I absolutely love that. What a way of just I don't know, spreading love and joy and just showing again, being how engaged you guys are with our community and community engagement is just so, um, it's so vital. It's so important. And it really, it, that's a real, it's a, that's the ability for real change and impact in our communities. Yes. Those hearts of Ogden were great all over the city. I loved it. Scavenger hunt for people to find them and and it was such a great idea. Again, we have such a great marketing team now that people that just are able to have a little more awareness of the things that we do and who we are and, and all those great things. And so if anybody needs a protective order, um, if anybody needs safety planning, if anybody needs shelter, um, we have a whole child care here, you know, for the community um, and everything. And so if you need help with housing, please contact us because we can help in so many different areas. We're more than just a domestic violence shelter. We do a lot of other things as well. Oh, thank you so much. And Brett, thank you so much for spending your spending all this time with us tonight and sharing about your programs and all of the great efforts and um, opportunities that YCC offers to people and engagement. So thank you so much. We're going to have all of YCC's information in the bio um, for tonight's episode. So please make sure you go and utilize those resources. And again, if you need um, Brent to come to anything, make sure you reach out to invite him so he can come speak at any local engagements as well. But Brent, thank you again so much for coming on Dare to Rise tonight. 
Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun speaking. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) It's always nice to connect with more people in the community. So again, thank you. Well, Tina Kay, that was another amazing conversation. Yes. Um, you know, Brent brought so much knowledge, uh, oh tools, a, a whole briefcase of I suggestions see. with him. Well, and then on a serious note, it really, it, it's just, I really meant that when it was like, where were you 15 years ago? Cause truly in my own personal life, I could relate to a lot of what he was saying and just, um, you know, I, I wish I would have had more, I know you're laughing, but it's true. I'm laughing because you're talking about 15 years ago and I'm thinking, girl, we'd have to go farther. Back. Oh, <laughs> talking about our age difference, by the way, for our DTR people, but really though, it's just, it's just so important to, you know, people be com- be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, I guess is where I'm going with that. And just knowing, you know, if you guys, if you, if people do find themselves in bad situations, don't let fear or shame keep you from speaking out to people who really love you and support you. Yeah. Well, and you know, the conversations that have to happen sometimes are all based around love and just looking out for the people that are, whether they're your children or friends, you know, stepping in, intervening if you need to, or, or just opening up that conversation. He gave so many great tools, websites as a reference. So I know that resource information. Yeah. So I think the, one of my favorite things, I want to contact him for one of those pins, but love doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's definitely something uh, for us to remind our listeners about is that love doesn't hurt. Isn't that so true though? Simple, but so profound. Yeah. So Nicole, as always, this has been a great interview. Uh, so (laughs) it really has. I feel so honored. I think I say this almost every time, but truly what an honor to have these amazing people from our community come on and share, you know, their story, their organization, what they're about. So we can continue to just educate and promote good works that people are doing in Ogden and just around, you know, Utah in general, it's just such a, it's such an honor to be able to hear people's stories and be inspired by all of the engagement that they're participating in. Absolutely. So I think as always, it's going to be about daring to rise. (laughs) Well, always. So until next time, our dear audience, always remember to dare to rise. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you want to be there. I bring you away. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good, let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there, I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing, tell me that you wanna do it with me. This is what I'm doing.